Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another edition of More Than a White Man's Game, a baseball podcast on the House of L Network. I am, as always, your host, Maddie Lee, and this week I actually have really good timing. I know last week you guys had to deal with my terrible timing where I set up an interview with Jenny Carlson for the day after the Women's College World Series ended and then because of weather and other circumstances, the Women's College World Series continued on for an extra day and it ended up being the day of the championship that I talked to Jenny but now, this I think this makes up for it. And Jenny was incredible, even though we hadn't gotten the championship game in before recording this week. I already wanted to talk with Elise Meneker, who you should know from the Marquee broadcast. She's incredible. She's a studio host. She's on the sideline. And now... She also is doing analysis for Iowa Cubs games, the Cubs AAA affiliate. And so I wanted to bring her on to talk about that new gig. It just so happens that we set this interview up for Friday on Thursday night. The Cubs had their first ever combined no hitter they had no hitters before obviously with one pitcher but they made history Elise was there you know doing her job covering the game and so we'll start off with some of that we'll get to pick her brain about that experience but also like I said talk about her new gig and her illustrious softball career because she was a total stud and is extremely humble about it. So we'll get into all of that. And now I'll welcome in Elise. Elise, thanks so much for joining me from LA. Yes. And you had quite the night last night. We're recording on Friday. So just a few hours ago, you covered the Cubs first combined no hitter 17th I believe in franchise history just overall, but first combined, like what was that experience? Like what was the, what was Dodger stadium? Like, like all of that. Yeah. I think the best part was probably just after the game, the celebration, you could see they were all so excited. I, you have to watch the video back because I love 
the contrast and reactions, watch Contreras fired up, pumped up, knows exactly what just happened. And Kimbrell, if you look at his face, he's like, what? (laughs) I get that we won. Yeah, right. So you can genuinely see that he didn't really know what had just happened. Uh, I think that's always like the best part of those moments is just the embrace, like the fact that they know they did something big to be like a small part of that, to get to cover it. Um, Of course, those are the moments you love. I love every post-game interview, but it's when, you know, there's something historic and there's exciting you get that genuine emotion uh so it was all I mean it's one of those things you just don't forget yeah well your post-game interview with Kimbrel was so memorable because he said on there like yeah I had no idea so what was that like for you just like reading him I I'm assuming you had to switch gears because I'm sure in your head you had questions about you know assuming the fact that he knew that they just made history so it's funny because I was wondering, I was like, I, f- I feel like he knew. So I didn't, I didn't think I should or would need to ask him that. But since he just opened up right away with that, I was like, okay, I need to know more. Like what, how did this happen? And then, so, cause I didn't see his reaction after they, so I didn't have any sort of like idea at that point. Like I just was kind of making sure that I was where I needed to be when I needed to be. Um, and so yeah, I love I love when players give you the honest, like we said, genuine reaction. And then that's why I just try to listen. I try to listen to what they say, feed off of that, see where they're going with it. And then I knew he kept talking a little bit after saying that uh, he didn't know. And I was like, no, I got to follow up with this. Like, I need to know more. So, yeah, it was great. And he was great. Yeah, it was so good when he, he got into the specifics of who whispered what in his ear and and what he was getting from from Wilson and yeah exactly so good well originally the reason I wanted to bring you on here had nothing to do right just timing happened to be where you I'm talking to you after that game I thought I'm like Maddie perfect timing right right we definitely did this right um but I mostly wanted to dig in not even with the Chicago Cubs, but now you have, I mean, you're just such a jack of all trades because hosting and studio and doing a sideline was enough. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you're also an analyst for the AAA iCubs. What's that experience been like and any surprises? I know, I mean, obviously you've had so much experience in broadcast, but this feels like a a different sort of approach, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, so I've always loved calling softball games on Big Ten Network. It's probably one of my favorite things to do just because of the softball player in me getting a chance to talk softball. So you and I both, we love talking softball and baseball. So getting a chance during the broadcast to not just do that and be able to basically talk about it, but to try to teach and entertain and do everything that comes with broadcast. So while I do it for softball, it was super exciting when I found out that I would be calling games for the iCubs, not just for the opportunity in and of itself, but to get to do baseball, which has always been a goal of mine as well. And um, to get that experience in a year that I think is the best year, you know, to be doing this because we see so many of these guys already up uh, with the Cubs and the way that, you know, with injuries and things are happening happening this season, the up and down that can come with AAA anyways, but um, it's been really fun to 
learn more about that team in Iowa and get to know those guys because you and I both love stories as well. And that's how I kind of see everything. So I see it just as the best thing that I could be doing because not only do I get to call the games, but then I feel like that in covering the Cubs, I have the full picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the analysis is is one of my favorite things to do. So it's been so much fun. Alex Cohen, uh, play-by-play has been awesome. Uh, so I enjoy so far the couple times I've gone down there which will be more in the future but the couple really few games I've done a couple times I've been down there had a double header the other day it's it's been great that's awesome yeah and like you said there it's not even just this year either right they're going through such a transition phase and so right right the next few years it's going to be so cool to have all of that background on these guys as they're coming up and obviously we've seen a lot of those pitchers make I, I guess yeah. everyone but especially the pitchers right make such a huge impact right away. Yeah. And it's fun to, um, like you said, to get to see these guys at this point, because to me, this is what it's all about. You know, you never get to see the grind. You hear about it. <laughs> is that your dog? I love oh, it. Yeah. Love it. It's <laughs> he, fine. He was chilling on the couch and suddenly <laughs> out of nowhere, there were no sounds. There are no sounds outside. I love the apartment. It. <laughs> he just pops up and Bounds over the back of the couch. So that's the kind of. This uh, is the true podcast life. <laughs> I'm doing over here. No problem. I'll just pretend like, wait, wait, what's your dog's name? Stuart. What is it? Stuart. Stuart? Stuart. Oh, Stuart. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Stuart. I love it. Okay. Um, so in case Stuart chimes in, now we know. Uh, but yes, yeah, so to get to see the grind, because you see it and hear about it a lot at the big league level, but it's in a very different way where they feel like in essence, they've made it and it's that daily grind. But to get to see it, I mean, to me, that's, that's what it's all about, that um, all the work that you put in that you always hear in sports when no one's watching. Yeah. And that to me is, and of course people are watching in AAA, but you know what I mean? It's they don't see you go through the levels of the minors. And I mean, let's look at Tommy Nance, for example, yeah. you know, 30 years old makes his major league debut. No one knows and saw like the work he put until we started learning more about him and he makes that debut. Um, so that to me, it goes back to the stories, Maddie. It's just right. It's like all about, you know, it's, it's who makes these and what makes these guys who they are at this level. I love finding that out. And that's what I love about the iCubs job is I get to see that and I get to talk to those guys and I get to experience it. Yeah. And when you talk about grind, we haven't even mentioned the, you know, all the couches that you sleep on, all the right housing where you're cramming as many guys into one spot as you can. Very different. Right. Right. Getting called up and suddenly having to. Exactly. All that. Um, Obviously, I also have played and covered softball, but I feel like there's not with writing, there's not really any sort of like mental switch that you have to do. Is that the same with analysis or how how do you look at the two sports and, and doing an analyst job for both? Yeah. So what's great is in terms of softball and baseball, actually, the sports have become even more similar than you'd think, especially now with the involvement of analytics softball, they have their own pitching labs. Coaches talk about it and they have the numbers. It's how they construct rosters these days uh, and lineups by looking at the numbers, just like you hear about in baseball, Uh, the swings exact same technique fundamentals even more so now than before and I think that's because of the technology and they see the best swing that you can have is the one that you're seeing in baseball it's all that you know when we talk about 
from the hips and all of that. That's now like what they're talking about in softball as well. Um, so in that regard, I really love the overlap. I think it's now about just picking up the nuances and knowing for both sides what makes softball unique and what makes baseball unique. And I think the biggest thing, not just is the pace, but the pitching of course, that's probably then the biggest difference. So now just picking up on the nuances um, and always, it's something even still with softball that I always want to do because I pitched when I was younger, but really, you know, getting into it, it's, it's really important to me to, I love learning. And so I want to just continue learning and always trying to know the latest and even maybe the transformation, like we talked about over the years, going from where the game wasn't as heavy in analytics and numbers to now how guys balance that and what that means and how it translates. And then in terms of the job itself, it's definitely where I, I do think of it as when I'm like on the sidelines, I'm trying to accomplish X, Y, Z when I'm hosting, this is my goal. And this is like going to be the best thing that I can do for the analysts. And then when I'm an analyst, what I'm trying to accomplish, which is always telling the viewer or the listener, you know, what and why things are happening. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Really why things are happening as an analyst more so yeah. than what that's the play by play. So. <laughs> you can throw a little of that in there too. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, with with softball pitching, it's such an interesting – I love that you bring that up too because we talk so much about tunneling, which mm-hmm. has had many different names over the years in baseball. But, you know, it's – when you're talking about softball, you can just manipulate the ball in so many different ways. Obviously, baseball, you can't literally make a ball rise, but you have women who – have a really great rise ball and drop ball and yeah. screw ball and curve. And, and so it's such a different, and maybe part of this was that, you know, I was calling pitches at D3 and so the division three level. And so I didn't have no offense to my pitchers. They were fantastic, but not necessarily the same sort of command that, yeah. you know, a guy who makes it to the big leagues would have. And so we didn't have the, you know, really, you probably had movement. It just didn't seem as like refined and as like right. obvious. And you couldn't do some of those, you know, like your, your fastball command isn't good enough to then trick someone to think sure. that this yeah. high heater sure. is a, or that this rise ball is a high heater and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's the main kind of the, the way that you think about tricking hitters is slightly different in baseball and softball because in softball you just have more tools with a lot of pitchers and I think a lot of it has to do with what you mentioned with the rise ball the way the pitches move that's what makes the pitch sequencing different and how you attack hitters differently in softball than baseball the idea is the same you want to work other pitches off of the other typically in softball when a pitcher has a good change rise ball and fastball right there I mean usually every pitcher has a curve so right there you're looking at a few pitches that they can use and when they have like a good change up for instance then that can be, you know, some of the best pitchers in the country and in the Big Ten uh, have really good changeups, and that's a difference maker. Just throwing hitters off, whether they're swinging at that or not, just to keep the hitter off balance. And then that's what's interesting, too, is because you talk about approach at the plate and you hear guys at the big league say, I'm going to 
you know, I love what David Bodie said at one time, you pick how you want to fail, you choose how you want to fail. And it's the same thing in softball. You have to have a plan at the plate and you hear coaches talk about this where it's like, we're going to decide that she has a really good changeup. So it's either you're going to sit back, which typically you want to hit the fastball. So you're not going to really sit on that change, but you fight that off with two strikes. And that's kind of where you start to see the approaches overlap. It's really no different in softball. I think it's just more so like you said, the movement that you see, it's that rise ball. I think that is, is the biggest difference in changes the game in softball and honestly makes it fun I had to learn to lay off the rise ball my freshman year my coach was like if you don't lay off that you're never gonna hit (laughs) you gotta learn to stop swinging at that because it looks so fat always always suddenly it's over your head (laughs) yeah and you're like why did I even swing at that like it seems so obvious yeah (laughs) looks amazing coming in because you want to hit the elevated pitch Mm-hmm. So actually what I just started telling myself was if it starts high, it's going high. That's the only way that I would tell myself you cannot, it looks good, but don't do it. <laughs> it's not going to be good. It's not, it's going to end too high. Also, perfect example of why you're the analyst and I'm not because you just explained sequencing so much better <laughs> than trying to stumble. Oh, good, I'm glad. Okay, great. <laughs> paper, it would have been fine, but oh, thank goodness. Yeah, right, sure. You can write about it. <laughs> Um, I'm always struck when I talk with you about your college career at how humble you are because I'm very obnoxious in bringing up as often the fact that I played softball in college. And it's, I think for me, it's one of those things where it's like annoyingly, but as women in this industry, a lot of people, when they see us automatically assume oh she hasn't played the game so it's like my way of being like yeah this actually this game has been a huge part of my life for half of my life um in a playing sense alone and now it's my career sure um but my very mediocre division three career aside you're a cornell athletics hall of famer which is so cool thank you i feel like if i were you i'd weave it into every single (laughs) well now maybe i should start hello i'm elise meneker (laughs) every time you sign off just comma hall of famer (laughs) (laughs) um but i want to talk with you a little bit about you know those playing days when you look back at you know your various Ivy League playoffs and NCAA births and all of that. Like what, what sticks out to you? What, what story? I say this all the time. Cornell was the best four years of my life. Softball was a huge reason for that. Absolutely loved my teammates. I think that was a huge reason for my success. You know, the minute that I found out that I had, uh, you know, gotten that honor being inducted into the Cornell Hall of Fame, I immediately thought of my teammates and just how it was really because it was such a good balance of having fun and being surrounded by teammates who were on the same page as you who wanted to work hard and win. We were all about winning championships and we won my junior and senior year. My freshman year, we came in second both years and we lost on walk-off home runs. Um, So it was tough. And then that's why I think we came back those final years and we were like, you know, we can't have that happen again. So um, it's, it's usually, I think any athlete will say this, that uh, you remember moments on the field, but it's those times with your teammates that are what you miss and what stick out to you the most. And I think that's just kind of my biggest takeaway and probably the biggest 
takeaways from the field is, is what I learned. I I'm such a big advocate that sports are such a good way to learn about life um, and how to deal with adversity. And, and there's no better sport than baseball or softball because it's a game of failure. So you have to learn really quickly, like how to deal with not succeeding and feeling like you gave it your all. And you still feel like you can give it more, but the, the outcome wasn't what you wanted or something. So um, I really just have always seen it as a, a it's like been a medium for me to work really hard uh, and to have a goal that I want to accomplish. And I love doing that with the team. So that's kind of what I remember and take away from it. You know, I'm, I'm a competitive person. I'll admit it. I don't think I ever really thought about it, but I'm definitely competitive. Um, and it was a way for me to kind of, you know, challenge myself. That's what I constantly did is I just never wanted to settle for um, being okay. I wanted to be better and I wanted to be the best for my teammates. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. How old were you when you decided, like, I want to continue doing this for and I think you mentioned on on the marquee podcast that you did with Tony and Rocky that you played professionally in Sweden yes yeah is that so yeah well I I have plenty more questions about that (laughs) but at what point did you think like hey I want this to be you know my college and then partially professional career I mean I guess you still are in the sports. Right. In a different way. Um, but I actually didn't even know if I was going to play softball in college. Um, and then going on the recruiting trail and I, I went to Cornell and visited and, um, it was, you know, the best academically and athletically that I thought it'd be a great fit. And, uh, I, I'm so glad that I did play softball because I was either thinking of not playing a sport or playing tennis and possibly like walking on a collegiate tennis team. So that's kind of where my back and forth was always coming in. And um, then when I decided to go to Sweden, I, it was, I kind of saw it as part of my job search my senior year. I graduated during the recession. And so, you know, jobs were uh, hard to come by. And so I was, I was applying to local TV jobs. Um, but then I thought, you know what, like this opportunity, it's not always going to be there. So why don't I take advantage of it? My dad was kind of saying, you know, you're only going to be young and healthy once. So why not do it while you're young and healthy? And it kind of resonated with me. And so that's why and how I decided to play in Sweden. I had a teammate who was looking, she was older than me and she was looking at playing in Italy. She actually didn't end up going uh, after her senior year, but I asked about the information, how to go about it. And so that's how I kind of got connected to the whole um, playing, you know, pro abroad. 
That's so cool. Like, yeah, it was, it was, I, I wanted to go back. I kind of had thinking about during the pandemic, visiting Sweden again, um, obviously like before all that and then the pandemic happened, but um, it's, I think everyone should visit. I, I think it's a beautiful place. Everyone's so nice. Uh, they speak English. So if you're ever worried about a language barrier, um, you know, it's, it's just great. I still hope to go back. So we'll see. I'm friends still with all my teammates. They're great people. Uh, and it's fun to have, you know, people, friends who live abroad and, and live differently, right? Some people are different than you. What were your expectations going in? And then how did they match up with reality? Yeah. So uh, pro is different than the States. I think what I got out of it is exactly what I expected. I expected to extend my softball career and at that point, not it was like kind of like just give it its last hurrah. I didn't want to see it as I'm going to go out there and like I've got to do, I've got to win, where I'm going to keep. It was kind of like a, an outlet for me to enjoy the experience. Um, the level of softball is not the same as in the States. And um, there's two foreigners, they call us, on every team. So I had another American teammate. She was a pitcher. And um, we did, I mean, my team, it was a good t Swedish team. We won our fifth uh, national title while I was there. I think they won the sixth the year after. And so, I mean, we were competitive and we were good and had good athletes. Um, but it's funny because I saw it more for, I wanted to get to know them. I wanted to see different parts of the world because we got to travel a little bit. So I tried to kind of like, it was almost like easing out of the sport. Cause it's funny. Cause I always thought it would be easier. Cause right. Like there were times where I didn't even know if I'd be playing softball in college. And then once I did it, I, I remember my last game we played in the NCAA tournament and uh, we knew we were at that point, like it was kind of a game where we were going to be eliminated. And I remember feeling I was glad that I chose to play professionally because I just wasn't ready yet. It would have been, I think a lot harder to end my college career. If I knew at that moment, I was basically never playing again. Yeah, that's such a start. But you probably know that feeling when it's done, when you're over. I do. My friend's mom took all these like very sweet pictures of our, you know, our, the last game of the season. We were never very good, so we did not get even a <laughs> playoff run uh, to ease out of it. And she posted all these pictures, and they're very sweet. But the only one she had of me was me just sobbing. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. I tried to hold all that back because I wanted to just enjoy it and like, but it's, it's, it was there, you know, and we were all, I think, trying to hold it back because uh, now we look forward to going to each other's weddings. They're like mini reunions at the time you get to see each other. And you don't really realize that, uh, you know, one of the reasons I chose to play softball and it always stuck with me is because I felt having been a tennis player as well, I could always play tennis, right? I had always played with my dad growing up. I could always find a coach or in some way hit at like a pretty competitive level. Um, but softball, it's hard to find girls like that many where you can really, you know, play. Um, so I think that's kind of too, like it was that realization that now I'll, I'll play slow pitch and it's, I love it. I laugh because it's like, I just don't, I, I do not put the same competitive energy in that whatsoever. Cause I'm like, I can't, it's done. Like, we're not going to be competitive in this. We're going to have fun. This is not like, I can't go down that road. Um, so I don't put the competitiveness in there. You can ask any of my teammates, but I play outfield. I'm like, I'm not playing third. We are not playing the infield and slow pitch. <laughs> That's not happening. Um, so yeah. Look up your, your old position after actually, yes. now I'm on a 16 inch league, which yeah, is still not playing infield. <laughs> 
wild. And it's yeah. such a weird transition. Um, yes. Like, I, I, I maybe got one, two hits the whole, I, I was just subbing, so it was only a few games, but oh, it is hard to be that patient. <laughs> oh, I'm the worst at it. Like, I think everyone automatically assumes because you played softball, you're going to be amazing at slow pitch. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm bad, but my teammate, I mean, look, I will tell you right here and now, I have struck out before in slow pitch. I'm ashamed to say it, but I'm going to be called out no matter what anyways. So there you go. It's not easy. It's not easy. It really isn't. And then I go into it too, where I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch, I'm not going to, A, walk, B. No, no, I'm definitely not walking. Every single time I watch the first pitch because I'm like, I have no idea how to time this. Okay, okay. Then usually it's a strike. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm hitting the next one. (laughs) Right, then you have two strikes. And then I'm like, well, then I'm getting nervous. Now I'm nervous that I'm going to swing and miss. So that's why I swing usually at the first pitch. Then my first at bat is like not what I wanted. I may take in this, but like, I can't, I, cause I hate the one strike thing. Starting with one strike. I can't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've started playing. I get, I played regular slow pitch, like with a regular. Yeah, ball. me too. Yeah. And the, they're like, Oh, you've played softball. Let's throw you at third, which is terrifying. But I realized if I, they're all beer leaks. So if I have a couple beers, I'm fine. Like my nerves settle. I'm good. But man, I have so much respect for our, for all of you infielders who are fine at the hot corner because I was a catcher and um, played a little bit of middle infield. And who, although it is nice to not sometimes a lot of my issues, at, they moved me to second base when I hurt my arm which I'd never played on the right side of the infield had so many, like I had the yips for a while, like every single mental block that you can think of had at second base. It's just, there's way too much time over there. So it's funny that you say that because that's exactly what I loved about third base. There is no time to think. So I would always just react. Yeah. And hope that when I was in for a bunt, they didn't swing away. And after that it was, you know, I love the cutoff play where if it's like a slow roller or, you know, something where I can go after it and cut it off from the shortstop, that was like my favorite. Um, so I'm with you. I, you know, even cause in Sweden a little bit, I played shortstop. That's kind of where they started me. And towards the end, like in the championship games, I remember I was playing third again and, um, I always just felt way more, it's funny because you're closer and people can think that's like scarier. But for me, I was like, yeah, I felt way more comfortable. Like, let's do it. <laughs> Cause your body will just take over at some yeah, point. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's just something to the, like, it's just really about the, the mental side of it. Um, I'm it's the, am I, should I go in? Should I stay back? I mean, I like that everything happened quicker mm-hmm. at third. This is the hardest game in the yeah. world. Yeah, it's the the game. Like being a game of failure is a real thing. Like the dealing with that is. That's why I I loved it, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That there isn't a, a lot of element that is just individual, and you gotta deal with it. 
<laughs> and that's and that's what I love too, though, that you have the individual element of hitting and fielding your position, but ultimately it was the team sport and you have to do well and perform well as a team. And by doing well individually, you're helping your team. But that's why I love that there was that day-to-day like individual grind of, you know, practicing or like taking a ton of ground balls or swings. And then it was also the element of practicing with your team. Like you're not just out there alone. So it's doing everything with your team. Yeah. For sure. I'm a little mad that you're so good at so many things that you <laughs> could have just gone and played college tennis. Like it makes a lot of sense now why you have like so your hand in so many different things in the media landscape now. Cause that's exactly what you did. It's <laughs> so true. Yes. I love, I do love doing that. Yes. It's so true. It's a good point. Um, I, I like to be versatile. I like to try new things and I like to push myself. So it probably all goes with that. At, at what point did it become clear that doing analysis for the iCubs could be a, a thing? So really, it was just something that, like, as a broadcaster that I was working towards, not the iCubs specifically, but just knowing that down the road I would want to do baseball analysis. So a lot of the times when I'm watching the Cubs or uh, watching baseball or just anything, I'm kind of looking at it from the analyst perspective. So I listen a lot to like how JD um, calls games, what he picks up on, or when we have Demp in the booth or anything, even in, even in the studio, I talk to Sean Marshall a lot, pick his brain. Just, I want to make sure it's that learning aspect. And I think that's kind of what drives me. So it wasn't um, a deliberate, like I want to call games for the iCubs. It was actually an opportunity that they came to me with, and I couldn't have been more thrilled about it um, because that's what I felt like, you know, that I was working on and working towards. And um, now to get to hone that skill and be able to get the reps and experience uh, with the iCubs, I think it's just perfect. That's so cool. Yeah. You and I, the other day tried to name, not even just baseball analysts, female baseball analysts, but women who were analysts for any male professional sport. And it's really hard. I kept naming play-by-play women. And then <laughs> oh, no, that's not what she does. Um, I mean, how, what, what do you think about, about really being a trailblazer in? This- oh, well, that's nice of you. I mean, cause I look at the women who came before me, right? Like just all the women, uh, you could say Beth Mullins, Marquee Sports Network. Lisa Byington is a good friend of mine. She's had a lot, she's had a lot of historic moments, quite frankly, in her career, and I look up to her so much. Um, and that's to me, Jessica Mendoza, of course, you can look at in baseball. And um, I think there is some truth to if you see women do it, then you can kind of see yourself doing it. I think um, it for me, it's just always something where I've the way I thought of it is why not? I've never thought like I couldn't. I just didn't. It didn't like you know. I thought if I like it and I work hard at it and it's something, you know, I I will dedicate myself to, then yeah, like, let's do it. And then I think um, by seeing women do other things, it's like, yeah, it gives you sometimes like that extra push. Mm -hmm. I think like at times when you think like if there's any doubt that creeps in or um, just like any time that you may wonder, you're like, no, like I can do it. And there's other women that are doing it and it's not going to, if it was worth it, it wouldn't be easy. Like, you know, the hard stuff always takes sacrifice, dedication and, and all hard work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, I appreciate that because I, to me, it's like, I'm just trying to, you know, I just, I'd see it as just like, I don't want to demean it. Like I see it as doing my job, but I really see the women who came before me as those trailblazers who have kind of encouraged me to keep going. We'll just keep widening, widening the trail. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Widening it. I love that. 
Yeah. Well, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much. For this is fun. Thank you. It was good talking to you. Good talking to you. Congratulations again. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon on the Zoom calls or in person. <laughs> I'm so glad that we're halfway done with Zoom calls. Just yes. It's nice to see everyone. Really, it is. It makes such a difference. It really does. It really does. Well, thank you again. Appreciate it. You're fantastic. Oh, thank you, Maddie. So are you. It is so much fun to get to, through this podcast, talk with people who I see, you know, within a normal day, within my job, and have plenty of conversations about baseball with but wouldn't necessarily have a reason to dive into their backgrounds or their careers. And so getting to talk with Elise about playing in Sweden, which I had no idea about until I listened to that marquee podcast that I mentioned, that was so much fun and so much fun to get to really just kind of reminisce about her college career and see how much we have in common about the way that we think about softball, even though she's way better at the sport than I am. She is awesome. This was a blast for me. Hopefully you all had a lot of fun listening in as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of More Than a White Man's Game, a baseball podcast on the House of L Network Thank you to our incredible producer, Lawrence Holmes, who, as you know, not only produces this podcast, but is the creator of the entire network and this platform that we are on here. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you, listeners. Rate, review, tell your friends, family, pets, all that about this podcast, and we will see you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.